Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, the Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, the Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public. On appointment-only basis, she offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you so much, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, good evening, Susan. We had quite the exciting weather today. Mm -hmm. It was rainy, and then it was rainy. 
And then the wind blew like crazy, and it rained so hard. We all thought the rivers were going to overflow, and trees came down everywhere, and the bridge was closed. Wow. And then the sun came wow. out. Mm-hmm. So we had some weather today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a, a great day for making here. remedies. Mm-mm. Have you tried making remedies when it's wet out? Um, well, with a teacher like you, <laughs> things really stick, you know? So, um, no, I don't make remedies when it's wet outside. And, nope. uh, just I wait for work. those nice Fridays. Yeah. Just yeah. Work. We talk about how it's only in the movies that the herbalist is out at the crack of dawn with her basket gathering wet plants. Come on. I know. It's all misty and foggy. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, seaweed. You can gather seaweed when it's wet. <laughs> there you go. You can gather seaweed in the rain. I like it. <laughs> Ryan says that Neriosistus kelp makes melatonin on the nights of the full moon. And if you gather it when the moon is shining on it, you get melatonin in it. Oh, wow. We put some shiitake mm-hmm. mushrooms out in the sun so they would make vitamin D and then ate them in our chicken soup tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was fun. Yeah, I just sun-dried a whole bunch of shiitakes that my friend had given me, and so they're um, in a container right now. And I'm, I imagine that, I mean, they hold that vitamin D through their drying process. I hope so. I don't know. I know that if you put the dried ones in the sun, they'll make vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not sure that there's any vitamin D in the fresh ones. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, my friend said be. she was making, she's making tea out of hers. She's been uh, letting them soak with green tea, and I thought that sounded pretty good. Yeah, it sounds tasty. Mm-hmm. The thing I always um, find about cooking with shiitake mushrooms, and I buy them from Chinatown, is they're so thick and hard and they're difficult to break apart with a knife or scissors or a hammer. And then you wind up, you know, just like thinking, oh, my hand is going to break. And then the pieces you put in the soup are too big and people are gnawing on them like dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some So they can be a little difficult logs, to work actually. with. What, love? I have some I just have some shiitake logs that um, my friend inoculated for me, and uh, but they're going to take a while. They're not right. showing any signs of making any mushrooms in there in oak, so I think that they say that it takes about a year. We have a couple of shiitake logs that somebody um, got from a mushroom-growing place that said, these have done their first flush. It's not worth it to us to keep them around any longer. Mm-hmm. And we just keep them propped up by the greenhouse. They've been there, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years. And when we when it's warm enough and we water them, we get shiitake. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been one here, one there, coupled, you know, and they're really tender. Mm-hmm. The dried ones I get yeah. from Chinatown are, Chinatown are, like, really tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I did some reishis, and the reishis are growing super fast, although they don't like the heat like this, so they're kind of, they dry out really fast and slow down. So uh-huh. next time I'm going to do them a little earlier in the year. Yeah. But they grow fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping that this yeah. weather that we had today will encourage some mushrooms to come out. 
This is definitely mm-hmm. mushroom month here in the Catskill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been so dry. Yeah, dry the mushrooms. Forget it. We're going to the moon where it's wet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just moved into my new house over the weekend, and I'm yeah, in my new office. I know, it's huge. It feels really good to be here. I'm totally exhausted and have, like, a huge list of stuff to do, of course. But there is an heirloom apple tree in the backyard that's, like, already dropping apples. And they're super tasty. And I want to make applesauce. And I haven't done it for a few years. So I was hoping that you would – I know you have a method where you keep the skin on. And you you run it through a food mill. Is that correct? Yes. What I do is I – quarter the apples. Mm-hmm. And I throw the whole apple seed, skin, stalk, everything into the pot. And I start mm-hmm. it with maybe an inch of fresh apple cider that we've just pressed, which is really more like apple juice, right? Because mm-hmm. the bacteria in it haven't turned it to cider yet. So I'm usually making okay. applesauce when we're making apple cider because there are the apples and we're cutting, cutting. And... Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, stir it and watch it to make sure that the, the liquid doesn't evaporate. And then the apples begin to contribute their moisture. And I cook it for, you know, I would say four to six hours for applesauce. Okay. A really long time. And then I let it cool, and then I put it through a Foley food mill, which mm-hmm. retains the skins and the seeds and gives me applesauce. I don't add any kind of spice and cinnamon or anything like that, and I don't add any kind of sugar. Is the Foley food mill, because I have like a hand crank one, and I'm not sure. That's a Foley food mill, yep. Okay. Yeah, it's like usually aluminum, and it's uh, got like a a basket with a a crank on top and a little like metal plate that that goes around when you crank it. Right, yeah. A perforated uh, thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Works so well. And are you making sure to take off bruised parts of the apple, or do you put the bruised parts Absolutely not. I quarter the apples. Okay, quarter them. All right. Cool. I mean, if the apple is, like, totally rotten, we will cut that part off. Mm -hmm. But not a bruise. And then you fill the jars, and then uh, you'll do a hot water bath. Then we do hot water bath, yes. Mm -hmm. And we also freeze applesauce in quart freezer bags. All right. I have another uh, question for you tonight. If you're if you're up for it, it's totally different than applesauce making. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's that? Okay, um, so I know that you are you're not like in a monogamous relationship, right? You're would you right. consider yourself like polyamorous? No. No. No, I, the term I have used, and I see that other people are picking up on it, is pansexual. Pansexual. Polyamorous Meaning. Is, too, is too constrained to humans. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so within that pansexual so, uh, nature, I, I, then... There, there's a, a woman here who I think has a, a story that's uh, apropos here. You willing to okay. tell it? You willing to tell about your hypericum experience? Again? Again? 
Yes. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca. It's Zara. Hi, Zara. I'd love to hear your story. <laughs> well, the story that I think Susan's wanting me to tell once again is about my relationship with Hypericum. <laughs> and I realized this past summer uh, because I was visiting it every day, picking the flowers to make the oil and talking to it and touching it. And it was a very sexual experience. So one day it just, it all came together and I realized that, hey, I'm in a sexual relationship with this plant. And so then I moved on to the next Hypericum patch in my yard and I picked that flower and wow, full body orgasm. Nice. (laughs) And then I would say maybe once or twice a week after that happened, there is a blossom that has six petals rather than five. And then when there's six petals, they look like little hearts because they're crossed over in a, in a kind of an awkward way. Mm-hmm. Like, and so every day, like, doing this, and I finally told my husband about it. <laughs> and now when I'm going outside, he's like, oh, are you going to have sex with that plant again? <laughs> he's pretty jealous. Oh, yeah. uh, that would, I guess I would be considered a pansexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find plants to be very erotic myself. So. Definitely. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay. Yes, I got in, in to, some trouble on an outdoor adventure um, that when I said that most trees are better lovers than most men. Mm-hmm. And the men seem to feel threatened by that. Well, my question, I guess, is pertaining more to, like, human relationship of, like, uh, so if you wanted to, you know, like, explore somebody else, like, are you communi- communicating that to your, like, primary partner? And is there communication around that? Or are you just kind of, is it... I w- for lack of a better term, like a free-for-all, you know, like can you just explore as you please? And I'm just curious, that, like, how that, that communication has works. entirely to do with the individuals involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different people have different things that make them feel safe and comfortable. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to us. Mm-hmm. That we love feel safe and comfortable. Yeah, for sure. So we can ask each other and find out. When Amy Sprinkle was doing Sacred Six workshops here, the last evening would be a tantric workshop with Annie and Joala. And, uh, 
part of the tantric exercises that we did was that we worked with a partner and we would have one minute and we had to spend the entire minute telling our partner how we liked to be touched. Mm. I mean, one minute. And many women couldn't even come up Mm -hmm. with how they wanted to be touched to talk about it for a minute. So talking about who else you're going to be with or how that is going to be when you can't talk about what you need uh, with anybody that you're with is going to college before you've gone to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as... Um, we are always reminded it starts with ourselves. Right. A theme that keeps coming up for me, actually. So. <laughs> and if if you are first and foremost your primary lover, mm-hmm. then the rest of it fits into place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most of the culture that we live in supports the idea that you need to find someone right. instead of helping us understand we need to find ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then when we're with people, how those people are is a gift rather than a torture. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that um, as we move into committed relationships that we do anything other than be responsible for what we say. Mm-hmm. And I think that for many of us... Um, That's another self-practice that's very difficult to be responsible for what we what we actually say and to follow through on that. And certainly, you know, one of the, one of the things that I say to people is, you don't, you know. Like if somebody says to me, well, I'll be home at 10 o'clock, I look at them and I say, you know, you don't have to say what time you're going to be home. But if you're going to say, then I expect you to be home then. I don't want you coming home at 1130 and giving me an excuse to say I'll be home tonight. And we often make it impossible to be responsible to our word, don't we? Yeah. Because maybe they did want to be home at 10, but they were with a group of people and they couldn't arrange that. They couldn't swing that. They couldn't get everybody else to agree. Mm-hmm. This is, of course, in the pre-COVID days. This never happens now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's coming home at any time at all. They are home. Right. Anyhow, we have a very interesting person who's probably at home to interview tonight. And that is Carrie Connor. And she is a cancer survivor, and she holds a medical marijuana card in Illinois. 
She is currently working on her ninth book, and she's going to talk to us about her book, about cannabis, and uh, about how cannabis has changed her life. That's at 9 o'clock, so stay right here, or come back at 9 and listen to Carrie Connor. Sounds good. And we have several people on the line. Just want to remind you to press 1 if you have a question for Susan. And our first caller is coming from the 541 area code. Hi, Susan. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What's up? Um, I just found out that I have asthma, and I was wondering if you have any recommendations for specific herbs that might help me um, to support my well-being. So when you say that you just found out that you had have asthma, um, what kind of symptoms took you to the doctor? Um, shortness of breath and feeling um, shortness like of breath all the time. Um, more severe at certain times than others, but not constant. So you weren't short of breath all the time, and the times that you were short of no. breath was it after you were um, exercising or? No, it really didn't have to do with exercise. Um, yeah, I guess there was no rhyme or reason. I guess I started noticing it more and more um, this spring um, because I've been working from home and um, I've been, my office is in the basement. Um, so I felt like, you know, working in the basement kind of uh, contributed to the um, the symptoms. So you think that being in the basement has contributed to your shortness of breath? Yes, and just, yeah. And do you think that that's due to something in the basement like radon gas or mold? Um, I don't think it's radon gas because we have a system that um, filters it out, and that is fairly new. Um, it could be mold, um, but I'm thinking that it's more of a dust issue because I have pretty bad allergies as well, and dust really bothers me a lot. Mm -hmm. And at this point, are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions on a regular basis? Um, yes. I mean, sometimes I... I stop for a little bit just as I get out of the habit, but overall, yes. But overall, yes. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And could you characterize your diet for me? Um, I eat a variety of foods. Um, I try to stay away from dairy because I feel like it makes my allergies worse, but I do eat it on occasion. Um, I also was... Um, of course, no evidence of any kind that dairy is in any way connected to allergies. Okay. I feel like it makes me sneeze more. Um, and on top of that, um, I was breastfeeding and I just stopped, but my daughter had a dairy protein sensitivity. So that's another reason why I was staying away from dairy. But I'm integrating it again mm -hmm. into my diet. 
I would say yogurt and cheese are critically important foods. Okay. Not necessary to drink milk at all. Mm-hmm. And especially not since milk often goes in very sweetened, refined cereals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't use sweetened cereals. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, a small amount of yogurt with some frozen fruit. Mm-hmm. I find extremely beneficial for people with systems that seem to be reactive. Mm. I find both the yogurt and the uh, frozen fruit very calming to the allergic mm-hmm. response. After all, as babies, what is the thing that is most likely to calm us? Milk, right? Mother's milk. Of course. And worldwide, what's the favorite remedy for calming people and putting them to sleep? Hot milk. Mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't have to be milk. But some good quality dairy product, especially yogurt, acts as a calming on overactive immune systems. Now, the good news about people who have allergies is they're far less likely to get cancer Hmm. because the immune system is overactive. And I ask myself, you know, what are people allergic to? Milk protein, nuts, protein, shellfish, protein, soybeans, protein. Pretty much, as far as I could tell, dander, protein. What people Mm -hmm. are allergic to? Protein in its many, many, many forms. And not every mm-hmm. single pollen protein, you know, not every single form of uh, protein causes an allergic response, but a great many. And certainly the, the greatest allergens that we recognize are proteins. And I said, well, what is protein? And my answer is that protein is the building block of life. Mm-hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, there's really only one allergy. And that's an allergy to life. Mm-hmm. And we might ask ourselves how on earth anyone could become allergic to life or be allergic to life. And this is the story I tell. If it works for you, you're welcome to use it. And if it doesn't work for you, say, well, that was a crazy story Susan told. I think that there are two very big energies in everything that I would say is alive. And I call those energies the soul force and the life force. And the life force starts at conception, when the female reproductive matter and the male reproductive matter get together. Then life force begins, and life force ends when that form is no longer alive. So life force has a specific form that it's in and a lifespan. The soul force is not bound by time or any specific form. And it exists before conception and after death. So as we might guess from this, these two big energies having to coexist do not always get along. 
If you were to mm-hmm. say to the life force, you have a horrible disease, and the only way to cure your disease is to kill every other living thing on this planet, the life force would say, go right ahead. Because the life force only wants its form to go on. It doesn't really care about anything else. And that's as it should be. But if you were to say the same thing to soul force, soul force would say, oh, well, that's really absurd. I'll just get a different body. So the thing that I think is perhaps hardest for most of us to really understand is that souls are stupid. Souls are incredibly stupid. They are not, a soul is not like some wise entity. A soul is um, something that is incarnating and coming into form so that it can figure out what's going on. And most women, when they are giving birth, um, experience some pain. And many of the women who experience pain during childbirth might say something like, oh, oh, ow, ow, or even something worse. And soul force, upon hearing that, says to life force, look, we are not wanted. We are causing great pain. Let us, let us not be in this body. And life force, of course, says, shove off. This is our body. This is the only body we get. Who are you kidding? Some other body. Ha. And this argument between life force and so forth, and of course, we could also have the situation where a baby is truly being born to a family situation or a mom who does not want that baby at all. Mm-hmm. But I don't want anyone to think that if you have allergies, it's because your mom didn't want you or your family didn't want you. Because the soul just isn't really smart enough to figure it out. And you could be born to a loving family that very much wanted you and still have allergies. But it does require sitting down with your soul force and saying, excuse me, take a step back. Stop this. Stop this allergic to life stuff. Stop bothering me. You, don't, you, you who are timeless, of all people, to put pressure on us at that time, go away. That sounds kind of silly, as I said, and it may not work for you. And so you might say that's just Susan's silly story, or it might work for you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I can definitely see uh, parts of it that resonate me with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The herbs that are considered to be the most active in terms of healing and strengthening and nourishing lung tissue would be things like mullen leaf, and especially mullen leaf infusion, and especially mullen leaf infusion mixed half and half with milk. Mm. Because milk is actually the great healer of the lungs. I was interested to know why people think that milk causes allergies or causes mucus. And so I was able to trace it back to an herbalist who lived about 150 years ago named Arnold Errett. And Arnold um, was accused of killing somebody with lobelia inflata. He probably didn't. Not that poisonous. And um, he was acquitted. 
but he got an attitude, or maybe he had an attitude, my guess. That's probably my guess is that Arnold had an attitude all along, and he said, well, you know, the, you all are just a bunch of know-nothings, and I'm going to go out, you know, and be by myself and create the world's best healing diet. And so out he went to his cabin, and then he would eat one food and one food only for three days, and then he would take his hunting knife and slash open his arm, and by looking at the blood, decide whether or not that food was mucus forming. And so it's based on this um, activity by Arnold Errett uh, that people believe that milk and um, bread are mucus-forming and should be avoided. I personally prefer to get my information from people who are a little more tightly laminated than Arnold was. So there's a man in Boston who's actually spent over 30 years trying to find uh, someone who has an actual allergy to milk, any any part of the milk, and he hasn't been able to find that person. He says it's a widely held belief, but he doesn't actually find in studying people that um, that their belief um, holds up. And we certainly know that that's one of the biggest places that we can run amok in our lives, but especially in healing, and that is to believe that the sun rises because the birds sing. Mm-hmm. Is that true, that the sun rises because the birds sing? Mm-mm. But the birds always sing before the sun rises. So why isn't it true that the bird singing causes the sun to rise? Because we are establishing a cause and effect between two things that are not causally linked. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's saying. And in fact, that's somewhat what I'm saying. That one by one, take the places that you feel reactive and um, move through them. Accept that part of life. How's the soil bacteria in your gut? The soil bacteria? Yeah. How much soil um, bacteria do you get on a regular basis? Like, do you pick mm-hmm. wild plants and eat them regularly? I don't eat wild plants frequently, but I do have a garden, and I eat plants from that. Unwashed? Um, you know, rinse. Rinsed, rinsed all, rinses all the soil bacteria off. So see if you might be willing to eat something from your garden. Um, I'm not suggesting that you have actual dirt or grit on it. Something that, that has had an opportunity to accumulate soil bacteria. Okay. Because we find that the American gut is very much missing soil bacteria. And that the soil bacteria in the gut have a lot to do with both mood and our ability to tolerate a variety of substances. That's why I like to pick wild plants, because 
often in the garden there's bare soil, and then when it rains, the soil kicks back up on the plants, and I have to rinse them so I don't get grit in my food, which I really don't like at all. But the wild plants, because they cover the earth so completely, rarely have soil or grit kicked up on them by the rain. Mm-hmm. You can just harvest them and eat them without rinsing them. Okay. And even, you know, a few garlic mustard leaves in your regular salad. Okay. Or some in with your tomatoes. Any little bit of wild on a daily basis. Or any little bit of something that ha- could have good soil bacteria on it. I think um, could be a good ally for you. Sounds good. All right. So in addition to mullein, of course, don't overlook marshmallow. Okay. Wonderful uh, healing, soothing, nourishing herb for the lungs, marshmallow root. And that just take an infusion of it or tincture it? Yes. Marshmallow root is wonderful. And when you feel short of breath, what do you do? Um, I try to take um, notice of my posture and how that might be affecting it first. Um, you know, if I'm like slouching when I'm sitting or something like that, and then I try to correct any, you know, like pressure in my diaphragm in that way. And then I just try to, you know, relax and, um, you know, take some deep breaths. Taking deep breaths is the exact opposite of what you want to do. Okay. The deeper the breath you take, the more shallow your breathing is going to become. Okay. The exhale is voluntary. The inhale ideally is involuntary. (laughs) Taking a deep breath means that we are trying to inhale voluntarily, and that actually jams the diaphragm into a spasm. There's a local healer who works a lot with people with allergies that cause breathing difficulty and asthma, and his ad always says, you are breathing too much. And that's literally what this person means, is that most people with Breathing problems are inhaling too much and not exhaling anywhere near enough. Okay. So one exercise that you can do lying on your back is to breathe out, counting to ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And if you can't get to ten, that's okay. If you only get to four, that's okay. And then let the involuntary inhale occur. And let there be just that little rest, like the pendulum, but the far side of its swing. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The involuntary inhale, rest for that moment, and then count again. I will try that. Yes, even just three cycles of that will start to teach your diaphragm 
the natural pattern of breathing. Okay. All right. So you've got a a bag full of tricks here. Yes. Thank you. And I hope that you call back and let us know how it's going at some point. Okay, I will. Thank you, Thank Susan. Thank you so much. In blessings. Good night. Good night. <laughs> it took me a minute to recognize her voice, but I know her. <laughs> All right. The next caller is coming so is from that the somebody you know? Yeah, really well, actually. I haven't talked to her oh my for gosh. a while. but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. Eight two eight. Hello, um, Susan. This is Maretta. Hey, Maretta. Talking about recognizing voices. Yeah. So, I'm working on this uh, mouth. What do you call it again? Thrush. Thrush. Yes, the thrush in your mouth. Yes. So, uh, you know, I did. Um, this is what I'm using. I'm using. Goat yogurt and probiotic and uh, slippery elm. And actually, what I'm doing with slippery elm is um, I'm cooking and kind of uh, stirring it up with some really hot water so it becomes sort of almost like a, a gruel or some, you know, uh, a heavier substance. And, uh, and uh, I drink it down. Uh, you know, I wanted to hear what your advice is, but it works wonders. I drink it down about midnight or so, and, um, you know, all my food is digested and it goes down, and uh, and I have a very good sleep, and but I wake up uh, sometimes because I have dry mouth, and I use marshmallow tea, and... Um, that's very soothing. And then I have my sort of my mouth, my throat, and everything is very calm and uh, no burning sensations or anything like that. And then at, at 6 in the morning, I go to the bath, I go and have a bowel movement once a day. And it really works like wonders. Isn't that something? What do you think of, of that? It's a. Uh, I think hooray! I think you're brilliant. That is, it is amazing how that works. How that works, you know. I'm just like, God, I just love slippery on butter. You know, it's one of the most, and it also has a certain amount of nourishment to it. That's very soothing and wonderful for the body, you know, and. Wonderful for the bowel moments, and uh, and you never have to strain or anything like that. It just really everything is just so smooth and wonderful. So it's just like <laughs> uh, you know, usually I don't talk about it at the end of the world, but but right now it's just like amazing how uh, important that is, how in, unbelievably important that is. And then I use uh, goat yogurt and probiotic to deal with this, um, you know, thing. On, and I actually have it on my tongue. I was diagnosed with it on my tongue. 
So it seems like um, my teeth are a little less coated, you know, with the cotton coats, you know, and, um, you know, hopefully this is going to work. It's not maybe the most dramatic and the fastest way, but because my mouth is so, um, has been so injured by that muscle uh, relaxer, Western medicine, should have my head examined to ever have done that, you know, but I did do it. And it's one of the most destructive things that's ever happened to my body was that muscle relaxer. And, you know, I've been so faithful to herbal medicine from the day I met you in Woodstock, you know, some 45 years ago. And then I took that thing and it nearly destroyed me. I've never had anything like that happen where everything becomes just parchment, my whole throat, my, you know, couldn't eat and I lost a lot of weight, 30 pounds because I couldn't eat and my whole mouth was burning. Months and months of that. And then I got that um, E. coli infection on my tongue after that. And then after that, I got this, um, you know, thrush in my mouth, you know. It's unbelievable. So it's almost like that whole thing snowballed where I was always kind of healthy and going along. I did have dry mouth when when I did take that, but it was in a way that I, you know, could easily live with it and take all the herbal medicine I wanted and, you know, and it would be fine. You know, if I needed echinacea, I could take echinacea, you know. When I needed wormwood, I could take it for seven months and it was fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, and so this has really um, taken me down to trying to, go as easy as I can on my mouth, even if it is a little slower. I really hear you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I really mean, it's hear very, what you're saying about taking it slowly. Yeah. Rather than And going, you took the muscle relaxer for how long? How long was I on it? Uh-huh. Three days. Because I had such terrific pain in my back, I hurt a muscle, and uh, I don't know if I was on it for even three days. I might just have been on it for two days. And, uh, you know, I actually did it because I was kind of under pressure on my um, part of my family who said, oh, come on, get out of this pain. You never ever touched this recent medicine, for God's sakes, try it, and, you know, their pain is going to be gone, and you're going to be all right. Well, guess what? Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, that's an amazing thing. So when you read this abundantly well, and uh, when you wrote that book, and I saw that list of all, you know, what you can do herbal-wise and uh, more gentle ways and maybe a little slower ways, but the healthy, that is the only way I have found myself to be healthy. And when I met you, I was, you know, 40 or something like that. And, uh, and you know, I've been healthy ever since. <laughs> except I've had certain things happen and we have stayed in touch. And 
we've gone over the things that you think and what I'm doing and all this kind of thing, and we've had this incredible, rich relationship. Oh, my God. I just wish for everybody that they would have something like that in their lives because, you know, make life easy on, make life a little more easy and beautiful and sweet and honoring our mother, you know. Don't throw trash on your mother's beautiful dress. That's what I taught my kids uh, from 60 years ago. So I was like, you can see I was a, I was natural. I mean, I was a natural when I met you. I was just ready for you. You, you certainly were. And uh, I feel very much the same about you, Maretta. Very, very deep, very sweet, very precious yeah. to me. Thank you. Very, very amazing. God bless you, Susan. And have a wonderful evening and a wonderful night. to you too, Maretta. And I'll try my best to be on the phone next week too and hear all that you're saying and the beautiful mushrooms. I used to grocery talking myself on Oak Log. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Have a sweet evening. God bless. Green blessings. You're saying that she loves Leon. The next caller is coming from the 409 area code. Hello? Hi. Hi. Hello. I'm Jackie. I'm from Texas, and I'm calling about an issue I've been having for about eight or nine years about my hip. Thank you, baby. For the past eight or nine years, you've been having an issue with your... My hip area. Um, Your hip, I've, got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, some people say it could be sciatic, but I don't have that where it goes down the leg. It's more just in my lower back, and it goes into my butt cheek real deep, and I just can't stretch it no matter how I do it. I've mm-hmm. um, tried a lot of things. I tried yoga, but it's hard on my wrists because I've cut my hand almost off one time, so I had some nerves and muscle pain in my hands, but I've been working with that with comfrey oil and, um, but, um, I've tried, um, With this pain that you have I've, in your lower back and your hip, have you allied with, uh, Hypericum perforatum, sometimes called St. John's wort, but I usually call it St. Jones wort? Yes, I, I tried that for a while and I loved it. I haven't And in what way did you try it? Do, do what? And when you say you tried it, can you tell me a little more specifically what you did? Oh, I took a St. John's work tincture. Um, I was At one time, I was taking golden seal, just one drop, um, some black cohosh, about four drops of that. And then I was taking skull cap when I ran out of skull cap. And I, I actually made myself some um, St. John's work tincture with the fresh herb. And it worked really well, but I just haven't been able to find where I could buy it. It really did work pretty good. It really does work very, very well. You can get tincture made with a fresh plant from Red Moon Herbs or from Catskill Mountain Herbals. Red Moon Herbs or Catskill? Red Moon Herbs makes fresh hypericum tincture. They use organic grain alcohol, so it's very high-proof alcohol. In Catskill Mountain Herbals, 
makes tincture from fresh hypericum perforatum using 100-proof vodka, which I strongly prefer. Yes, that's what I make mine with. Yeah. I mean, not that herb. I use other herbs, but I just don't have uh, St. John's word it, yet. I well, you know, hypericum um, is not really happy when it gets too hot. Yeah, it, then I guess we won't find it much in Texas. <laughs> no, it's way too hot in Texas. Yeah. But yeah. you know what I suggest that you do? Um, because the Internet is such an easy way to connect to people who live far away from where you live. Find someone who lives like in Nova Scotia or someplace where Hypericum loves to grow and offer to trade them something you can make that grows better in Texas. Yeah, I could do that because I love to grow oh. the natives. Yeah. There you go. You know, something that they would have a harder time getting hold of. And it's easy to send tinctures through the mail. Mm-hmm. Just wrap also, them up well in bubble wrap. Uh-huh. Do you think that motherwort um, makes you sleepy? Motherwort you think it- made me sleepy, but I don't think that's what you're really asking. I think you're asking if motherwort makes you sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it could, because I find that motherwort is like sitting in your mom's lap, you know? It's like the place where you go, ah. <laughs> and if you're okay. real tired and you go, ah, you could very easily go to sleep. But I wouldn't put motherwort on a list of herbs that bring sleep. Mm-hmm. It certainly doesn't, like, stimulate you and wake you up. And so it certainly right. Make you feel like, oh wow, I'm so you know at ease now. I could easily go to sleep. Okay, I think I'll start taking it after. Uh, I like to read at night, but I've been getting so sleepy, and I think it's because I was taking motherwort tincture along with my elderberry syrup. So, and then I was drinking it before I started reading, and I can only read in the evening because that's when my babies leave me alone long enough to where I can study. <laughs> so, okay, I then um. How many babies do you have? I have five. I have five daughters. What are their ages? Uh, 21, 18, 17, 9, and uh, 5. I wish my, my parents had thought me, of me as their baby when I was 21. <laughs> She's still my baby. She'll always be my baby. <laughs> I had uh, and she doesn't leave you alone to read? My goodness. Oh, no. I have to wait till they go to sleep. So my insomnia was kind of nice there for a while, and now I don't have it anymore. And I think it might be the mother word helping me sleep, which is a good thing. But Which is a good thing, as as, as what I'm saying. (laughs) Mother word will not put you to sleep unless you really need Mm. to be asleep. Yeah, I probably do need it. (laughs) Probably. And uh, so uh, Um, I hear you. And I how how wonderful that... uh, and those five beings have your love and attention. Thank you so Aww. much. Thank you, yeah. Um, can I ask you, is there any green witches that are in Texas near me that I could maybe go to their classes? Because I could do, like, weekend things. And I've always mm-hmm. wanted to go to your school, but um, I just can't You know, with that the long. COVID days yeah. upon us, most people are doing things online. And I'm with the green goddesses now. And we started working with the plants today, and we started with botany. 
um, because I think botany is something that's really necessary for herbalists. And even a beginner's knowledge of botany really helps you to understand the plants, and it helps you to understand the plant families. And yes. to me, the the easiest and, and most royal route to learning herbal medicine is to learn about the plant families. We learned about 3,200 plants today mm-hmm. and how to use them because we learned about the mint family, the Lamiaceae, and everything in the Lamiaceae, including motherwort and lemon balm and lavender, right, helps to resolve anxiety and everything in the mint family, including mint and uh, hyssop, uh, uh, can relieve digestive distress. And everything in the mint family, including thyme and uh, whorehound, is really good for the respiratory system. And so we learned about the uses of 3,200 different plants, including sage and rosemary and lemon balm and shisa. And we do that by learning about botany. And you might say, how can I learn about botany? Well, one of the best books for herbalists written about botany is Botany in a Day by Thomas Appel. And one of Thomas's friends asked him if he could teach an online course called Botany in a Day. And he does teach an online course called Botany in a Day. And that's where I would suggest you might want to start. I've watched that, too. Um, I study, I've study. i studied for about 15 years now all on my own. Okay, but I really so you've already to, done the Botany in a Day course. I need, like, spiritual connection more. Like, I have all these scientists that I talk to, plant scientists and everything. I'm in Texas Master Naturalist and the Native Plant Society, and I have friends that study botany in college and stuff, and these professors teach geology and pantheology and all this different stuff, and I, I go... And I learn as much as I can, but I just feel like I'm missing the spiritual connection part of it, you know? Well, I think that one of the easiest ways to do that is to pick a plant that grows around you and to breathe with that plant for 10 minutes a day. It sounds very simple. Yeah. Yep. I need to go back to that has very deep consequences. Really, when we're looking to be in touch more deeply with plants, isn't it the plants that we want to be our guides, not another human? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what I say. Take it to the plant. Find a plant to be your... Mediary to all mm-hmm. of the green. Two more time, just with it, just listening and just feeling, and not so much studying its medicinal properties. Exactly, exactly. Go to sleep and put, close the book, mm-hmm. and call on the plants and call on the ancients in your dreams. Exactly, my dreams have been getting really vivid lately. All right, there you go. <laughs> Thank you for your advice. You're welcome. Green blessings. Green blessings. The next caller is coming from the 831 area code. Hello. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Um, So I'm calling because, well, it's actually been really interesting. This conversation so far has been 
very synchronistic. Um, I have been taking St. John's wort um, for a little while now, and I recently found a ridiculous amount of it going in my yard. So I've been tincturing that. Um, and I've been taking it because over the last two years or so, I've been kind of battling um, HPV. And I, for a really long time, just kind of ignored it, was scared of it, freaked out. So I didn't do anything about it. Um, and then about a year ago, um, one of my girlfriends kind of, I don't know, empowered me, gave me some good resources. And I really started using plants and some different um, supplements to kind of help clear it. And since then, I've actually um, reduced down to level one back again, which has been really good and fulfilling. Um, but in the process, um, I have been having really, really horrible um, cramps every cycle. And I'm just kind of curious if you have any suggestions on um, helping with that. Um, other than St. John's wort, I've been doing some research about motherwort. Um, I have, it's like a weed around my house that's going crazy. Um, yeah, I guess I'd just love to hear your opinion. Tell me about the supplements you're taking. So I started to take um, turkey tail right off the bat when I found out that that was, that I okay, I wouldn't call turkey tail a supplement, but I understand why you do. So you're taking, yeah. <laughs> you're taking turkey tail in what form? Um, I was taking it first in the powdered, or sorry, in the pilled form from Paul Samet's Host Defense. Uh-huh. And then, um, and that was great. Um, it got a little expensive, although I do realize that it's an investment in my health. Um, so I kind of, I decided to do a powdered form. Um, and I definitely have kind of fallen out of the ritual of it. Um, but coupled with that, I was taking... Um, turmeric, a turmeric um, pill that uh, was higher in, um, I guess, some of the oils that are um, kind of trapped up um, in the plant that the are available. that you can tell that turmeric doesn't work is a huge number of different turmerics on the market. Okay. Buy yeah. ours. We have a special formula. No, buy ours. We have a special patented process. <laughs> no, buy ours. It's scientifically verified that the way we do it works. As soon as you start hearing that three or four times, you've got to admit the stuff doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that was one thing that was really interesting, actually. I um I sought out a a naturopath about two weeks ago. Um, my mom gave me some fair heed warning. Um, basically told me, you know, don't let her give you any supplements. Don't let her give like tell sell you anything. And she totally tried to sell me some turmeric. And um, and I've also on a, I guess a separate note, I've been taking cramp bark, um, and that's been helping a little bit, but I haven't noticed a significant difference. Um, and then I also was taking uh, N um, cytine, which is a uh, glutathione producer, I believe. Um, I, I've recently kind of dove into chemistry, so the science part of it is really interesting to me, but I also realize, like you're saying, that there's a lot of different studies, and I don't know what to believe. It can be very, very difficult indeed. I will tell you what I found in terms of human papillomavirus, that the people who went to naturopaths and took a lot of supplements took twice as long to clear it as people who didn't. Yeah. 
So, as you know, I failed Consumerism 101. (laughs) I buy as little as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. And if I buy something, I prefer for it to be something that if I needed to, I could actually make myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly um, herbs and spices that don't grow where I live aren't in that group of things. Um, And turmeric certainly doesn't grow where I live. Mm -hmm. But linden does, and linden is a fabulous anti-inflammatory. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions on a regular basis? I am. I actually, via my mama's recommendation, I just started um, about a month ago. And for the first time, so I've been taking, I just had linden today, and then yesterday I had comfrey, um, and then I've been kind of rotating around with red clover, um, oat straw, nettle, and um, uh, raspberry leaf. And that was, this last month was the first cycle that I feel like the pain was actually somewhat subsiding, but I still just out of fear just took a couple of Advils. And I really refrain generally from taking um, pharmaceutically uh, produced. I'm totally on the, I'd rather take plants boat. Um, mm-hmm. So, Yeah. So that that sounds good. I would say, you know, continue on with that for sure. Um, so there's sounds like there's like two things that we're talking about. One, the human papillomavirus infection that's been going on for some years and that you're taking things, but also that you're having menstrual cramps and they um, seemed to be m- more severe after the diagnosis of HPV. I'm a little unclear about that. Yeah, so it was actually really interesting when I decided to kind of take it into my own hands and stop ignoring it. Um, imagine that. I decided to kind of rid my body of all things that were kind of, uh, I guess, man, man-made or of this day and age. Um, so I, I removed the, the IUD that I had and since, and that was last July. And since then, I've been having severe pain. Um, Prior to that, it was not bad. And I've just been thinking, like, did I have some sort of, you know, is there like a cyst or is it like a tear? I'm not exactly sure what it could have been. And my... And you're how old now? I am 25. Mm -hmm. Was it um, a uh, hormone-releasing IUD? No, it was the copper IUD. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're on the right track in researching motherwort. I certainly find it an herb that is very helpful for women who are experiencing menstrual pain. And I usually suggest that the tincture be made of the fresh flowering top of the motherwort. I think you said there's a lot of it growing around you. Yeah, it's and, funny. I didn't um, realize what I, it was. I suggest that uh, the starting dose be about five drops or ten drops, anything between five and ten drops, and then within ten minutes repeat that dose if you need to. And in another five or ten minutes, repeat the dose if you need to and kind of count it up. So if you take four or five drop doses, then the next day, if you still have pain, you start with 20 drops. Okay. But that helps you kind of see at what level you need it. Many women find that they react to small amounts of motherwort. And 
one of the things I really like about a mother, motherwort is that unlike cramp bark or catnip or ginger, all of which are good menstrual cramp relievers, motherwort seems to actually resolve the problem so that after three to five months, you don't have menstrual cramps anymore. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So then I guess another question that I have is that um, I've been tincturing it, um, and I got the flowering tops, and I, um, I guess on a more kind of like organic level, I've been using 80 proof, not 100 proof vodka. It's not organic, and um, it won't be tincture. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Darn. <laughs> So why why would eighty terms, proof be more organic? Well, I didn't think it was more organic. I was just thinking. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I thought thinking, that was the word you just. I may have. I so. I thought I you said the, on a more organic level, I'm using eighty proof. I must have misheard you. I may have just misspoken as well. I I just um. So in terms of, you know, the soluble versus insoluble properties of plants um, and how they are released, I, I heard recently on um, another um, herbalist that I follow, she said that um, if you are, don't have 100-proof vodka available, then just go lower because if you go higher, then you're releasing more of the volatile herbs. And I was just not sure um, about that, if that was a The process by comment. which a tincture is created is called osmosis. Mm -hmm. Osmosis is the desire of fluids on either side of a semi-permeable membrane to be equal. Mm -hmm. yep. The semi-permeable membrane is the cell wall of the plant itself. Mm -hmm. Most plants are 75 to 80% water. Eighty proof vodka is sixty percent water. Yeah, forty okay. percent alcohol. So you don't get very much osmosis. Mhm. Mm okay. Hundred proof vodka is fifty percent water. Mhm. Mm now you're getting good osmosis. Okay. Higher proofs increase the ability to get alkaloids and glycosides from the plant, but decrease the number of water-soluble components that are in your tincture. And it's often the water-soluble components that moderate the effects of the alkaloids and glycosides. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as you step up in alcohol, what happens is that you get something that's more drug-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I remember hearing. But when you go down, what you get is something that doesn't work. Okay. Okay. Well, this answers my questions then. Um, right. Thank you. Good question. <laughs> I really appreciate you breaking it down and to those levels as well. It, it makes it a lot more tangible. <laughs> You're um, welcome. Cool. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I really appreciate your help. Green blessings, good night. Green blessings. The next caller is coming from the 425 area code. Hello, Susan. This is Julie from the Pacific Northwest. Hey, Julie. Hey there. Well, I'm What part of the Pacific Northwest do you live in? 
Well, close to um, Eagle Song, actually. Almost, yeah, really close to where Eagle Song lives, which is uh, Snohomish County. I was going to say Snohomish. Snohomish. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. Um, but about five years ago, I started to get, you know, felt like magic at the time, but I was introduced to your, uh, to the nourishing herbal infusions and just bonded with that the whole philosophy, wise woman philosophy, and I've kind of devoted the last five years of my life to building up, you know, an apothecary and not, well, you know what I mean, I've, I've made a lot of tinctures, and of course I've You've made a lot of tinctures over the past five years, it's so easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to do, and it's, you know, for someone like me, I just get into it, we need some of this, we need some of this, and I, I know I've overmade, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm, you know, always what if and what if, and the what if happened, and um, I haven't been feeling that well, um, and I think my health has been de- deteriorating pretty steadily over the last year and a half, two years, but I haven't noticed, I attributed it to, to age or maybe... So your health has been deteriorating over the past year and a half or two years? In what way? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm having uh, stomach pains. and. Um, I'm sorry, what kind of pain? All stomach, well, not stomach, but all, all in the uh, trunk area or in the torso. But long you story short. You have pain short, in your torso? Yes. Yeah. Like in um, the bones, in the muscles, in your gut. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like broken ribs, and sometimes it, sometimes it, it feels like your ribs are broken. Yeah, sometimes it feels, and and then my capacity to breathe gets reduced, and so I'm, you know, kind of struggling to breathe. But long story short, um, I ended up in the emergency room, and um, they did a CT scan, and there's. I have a, a, t- a tumor the size of a, uh, a lemon on my pancreas, and it's also spread to my liver. So, <clears throat> so my dilemma <laughs> is: is there is there a, a way that I can donate the supplies and things like that that I've accumulated over the years? Because a lot of it is just equipment, you know, scales and funnels and things like that. And also, you know, as I did, started doing herbal infusions, I started growing it. So I had huge amounts of motherwort and yarrow and um, red clover is just going crazy this year. <laughs> um, it, it probably uh, quadrupled in size. Um, elecampane, but a bunch of stuff that maybe somebody in the area might be interested in. But um, more importantly, you think there's a, a way to funnel this or, or, or I know that to, there's an organization called Herbalists Without Borders ah because I've, I've taken very and that would be my thought is to see if they are interested in this okay that sounds good now Herbalists Without Borders I will research this I also believe that the Hesperian H-E-S-P-E-R-I-A-N Hesperian Foundation is still functioning. Okay. And the Hesperian Foundation is the publisher of books like Where There Is No Doctor. They go into deeply rural areas all over the world and help people. Okay. I don't know if they're open to donations. Um, okay. They're not, they're not particularly into herbs, 
Uh, they're yeah. into self-help and self-care, which kind of edges yeah. them toward herbs. Yeah, right. And yeah, then like um, mm. basically if I'm sitting at my computer, I'm writing or I'm playing a game. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like go around and look at websites and so on, but I have heard um, that there are a lot of groups out there and herbal groups, and it would occur to me that if you were looking to um, donate or pass on things or even sell things, that there would be mm-hmm. groups available online that could help you out. That sounds wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I, I might check these resources out and call back next week in case, you know, hopefully not. And let but, us know. Uh, that would be wonderful. We, I would appreciate that yeah. very much. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, then. Thank you, Green Susan. Bless. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 603 area code. Hey, Susan, good evening. How are you feeling tonight? I am feeling pretty chipper, especially Yay. since it's raining and the wind is not blowing all of the trees into the road. Oh, yes. Did you get this terrible wind that I've had here? Well, tonight? it wasn't terrible, but it was pretty exciting. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I should say... Very vigorous wind. <laughs> Very vigorous wind, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. My daughter drove me out to my uh, voice lesson, and wow, we really had to play dodge on the roads out there. There were so many uh, tree branches, and the road crews had already been through taking the big trees off the roads. Oh, yes. Did you get lots of rain, too? Lots of rain, and I was really surprised by how many trees were broken by the wind. Yes, yes. Well, the, it was really, really blowing here, and uh, I was actually uh, working in the in the in the garden, and I stayed out there, and I didn't care because it was the first chance I got to go out today, uh, and I didn't get a chance to go out until it started to rain, and um, I stayed out there for an hour in the pouring <laughs> rain, and I got soaked to the gill, and I'm sitting here still. Um, soaked, <laughs> but um, I loved it. It was just so beautiful outside, and um, I eventually um, had to come in because the ground got so wet I couldn't um, work in the garden anymore. It was it turned to mud, of course. Of course, so, of um, course. <laughs> yes, yes, I suggested was, to all the green goddesses that after the blog talk show, by the light of the full moon, that they walk down to the river and see the river, you know, so roaring and charged with water. It's quite the sight. Yes, yes. Well, I'm calling you tonight, Susan, because I'm hoping you can help me. Um, While I was listening to the other callers, I actually came in, like I said, from uh, from out in the mud. (laughs) And um, I've been soaking my my entire um, uh, feet um, in... um, um, pure Castile soap. I used to use calendula soap because I have had this for years, this problem. I think it must be fungus, but what happens to my toes, I think it started with fungus um, um, because I had my nail, my toenail broken, and after that I started getting um, the toenail fungus. 
but even as a child, I remember sometimes my 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 main concern is the terrible pain and cuts. I they're not cuts, but it gets really raw between my toes. And I remember even as a youngster having this happen, and it's continued like all the time. And I didn't have toenail fungus ever before until about oh 15 years ago when um someone uh stamped on my foot um accidentally actually he was a beginning ballroom dancer so um anyway and it just broke the nail in half and that was after that that the fungus problem but this this periodical periodically i get this this terrible itching and raw it's like my flesh is raw between that my That sounds toes. like another common foot fungus often called athlete's foot. Well, it always starts with like it seems like a crack between the toes and I can't yes, as the fungus dries the skin out and then it cracks. So Say that uh, again? does the Castile soap or the calendula soap help? I would imagine it might soothe, but it's not antifungal. The yeah. herbs horsetail. Okay. Right. And golden seal are considered to be the best antifungal herbs. Okay. And so you could make a horsetail tea or a horsetail infusion using a little bit or a lot, whatever you want. And that will keep for quite a long while in the refrigerator. It's not high in protein. So it'll keep two or even three weeks. And what you want to do is get a shallow basin and pour some between your toes or soak some cotton pads in the horsetail and stick them in between your toes. And yeah. don't reuse the horsetail, right? You don't have to use the whole quart that you make at once. But whatever you use, be sure to throw that out because fungal affections can spread. Yes. Right, so if you use the liquid again, it can actually make it worse. And yes. since you're going to be soaking your feet in it, it might have an effect on your toenail fungus as well. Toenail funguses are notoriously difficult to get rid of. But walking barefoot, especially in, as Juliet Levy would put it, the dewy grass of early morning, is one of my favorite remedies for improving the health of the feet, and the toenails. Oh, my gosh. I do that all the time, not just in the morning, but in the evening when the dew sets, uh, in the evening, because I'm often out. Well, I do that. You know, I, I love, I've been walking barefoot since I was a little girl because I was a country girl, and we had uh, a, Wonderful. Uh, wonderful. So as you do that, as you do that, call upon the healing spirits of the earth and the plants to help you to heal your feet. Okay, I would fi- I would like to be rid of this because it um it's just getting more and more raw between the toes. It's extremely. Hey, see what happens painful. with the horsetail. Give the horsetail, okay. you know, a couple of weeks. A foot fungus, okay. as I said, very easily spreads, and it's in your shoes and your socks. Yes. So I depending have, on I how wear shoes how hysterical you need to be, um, you can. Uh, soak your socks in vinegar, which kills okay. fungal infections in your socks, and then wash them. 
Um, and you can soak your shoes in vinegar and then wash them. Or failing that, if there's shoes that can't be soaked, you could uh, wet a paper towel or some cotton and stuff it down into the toe of the shoe. You don't want it to okay. be so wet that it like, ruins the leather of your shoes. I know some people who are so bothered by fungal infections in their feet that they simply throw all of their shoes out. I have not. You know what's amazing to me? I hear you. Uh, but I would like to sneak in, in in between. I hope I didn't break the chain of thought. But um, not sorry enough. if I interrupted. Are you okay with me interjecting Tell me, please. here? Okay, thank you. Um, the thing is, is I always expect it to get better in the summer because I'm back walking in the wet grass in the morning, in the evening. I'm walking. I'm I walk barefoot so much, and I don't wear shoes in the summer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't wear shoes, but it it doesn't get. But this summer it hasn't gotten better because we are all under stress because of COVID. Actually, I don't feel at all stressed. Uh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Why? It's like what for? <laughs> what good is that going to do me? <laughs> but um, thank you for for that. And I also wanted to share with you that I called actually a couple. Um, it probably was a couple years ago now. And you recommended I try the um, the oak bark, and I went to a lot of trouble to um, to get it, and I finally able to get it, and um, I did that like for months, and it did nothing. I was um, I think it was a couple years ago, um, and I think you told me to um, or you suggested that I I think it was boiling the oak bark in a pot on the stove and let it cool, and then put it in the refrigerator. And um, and I and that didn't touch it. And I finally just I was so annoyed. I mean, I I after all that work of getting all that oak bark, um, I finally just threw it away. That was stupid. But I hear um, I you. Was, I'm surprised that you had any trouble at all getting oak bark. Oaks grow almost everywhere. Well, it was just that um, <sighs> I didn't well. I, so you're talking about dead oak trees. <laughs> um, and it could I could be a so, living oak tree. Well, I'm not going to take That's the bark off of the bark. A piece of the bark, the of, the bark of the tree doesn't hurt it any more than cutting your hair. What? It doesn't? No. As long as you don't girdle it, I suppose. Correct. Like the Indi- like the Native Americans did when they girdled the trees to to, to chop instead of chopping down the trees. Well, I actually couldn't had chop a down the trees. Excuse me, they never got to metallurgy. <laughs> you don't chop that's down a tree with stone axe. You girdle the tree. Yes, that's what they used to do with girdle the tree. That's trees. what they used to do. That's how. That's how they knew to bring the tree down because they didn't have saws or, or axes. Exactly. Exactly. Well, long story short, I had a friend who happened to be when I mentioned this to a friend. He said, oh, my gosh, I just cut down an oak tree. So um, he actually... Um, so now you have several was, pounds of oak bark. Should you ever want to use it I, again? No, this is what I'm saying. I was stupid. I, I got rid... I put it... I gave it to somebody to put in their compost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I got rid of it because <laughs> I had so much of it, and I, I had, like, several bucketfuls of it, and I said, well, this isn't working. 
And I was just so frustrated, and I feel so silly now admitting that I did that. I I think I totally understand completely, and I I hear your frustration. The the horse, thank you. I am going to try the horse, though. I actually have that growing outside my door. And um, so um, you suggested making the infusion or a tea, which I exactly will do. either one. And the golden and horse tail is really I'm easy not... to dry. It only takes a couple of days usually to dry. Okay, and um, because I'm not taking it internally, it doesn't matter that it's tall now. Of course, it, it's because you're point. not taking it internally. It doesn't matter that it's old now. Correct. Yes, and what about the golden seal? I've never used that because I. I, um, in this kind you, of situation, um, if the horsetail doesn't do what you want it to do, um, I would get a golden seal tincture and drip that golden seal tincture in between the toes. Okay, so I would I would drip that full full strength out of yes. the dro- out of the bottle. Yes, drip right out of the bottle. Strength. I will try it. Oh my okay. gosh! Oh, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Green blessings. Thank you. Uh, green blessings. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Looks like it's time for me to introduce our guest. Looks like she's here, too, so I just put her through. Mary yes. Connor is the leader of The Gathering Grove, a family-friendly, earth-based spiritual group. Carrie Connor has been practicing her craft for over 30 years and is currently working on her ninth book, Her writing has appeared in several pagan magazines. Carrie is a cancer survivor and holds a medical marijuana card in Illinois, where she lives with her husband, son, and a plethora of critters. Carrie Connor graduated from the University of Wisconsin with a B.A. in communications. She is now working to convert a portion of her land into a spiritual sanctuary. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thanks for being with us. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes. Well, you are a proud possessor of a medical marijuana card in Illinois. I'm going to guess that that's not exactly like common in your family. No. (laughs) In my family, no, not at all. Nobody else in my family has one. (laughs) Nobody else in my family would ever smoke it at this point, yeah. Um what, no, um, what were you definitely you were growing not. up? What were you taught about cannabis? I was taught it would kill you. <laughs> I I, I was taught it would kill you. Um, I, in my book, I write, and I believe it's probably in the introduction. I very much remember the episode of Quincy, where they smoked some weed, which of course it was laced, but that was never emphasized really in my family. It was they smoked weed and they died. This is why you do not smoke weed. You will die. It was on TV, so it must be true. Those <laughs> kinds of beliefs can be very difficult to overturn. Yeah. Because they come into us as children when we're not really questioning things. Yeah. And then I, I found what out that... Caused, um, to what caused you to change that belief? I mean, you've written a book about cannabis, and I'm going to guess that you're not putting cannabis down and saying that people will die if they use it. Right. No, I, I, I learned from um, a, a brother that went through drug rehab that it actually didn't kill you. But um, in high school, I didn't, I never really smoked that much. It wasn't until uh, I had cancer 
and I was not about to do a bunch of opiates again. I had already, I had been on opiates for 13 years in my life and I had been off of them for three years and I was not about to go back on and there weren't a whole lot of options for pain relief. So I started smoking and it worked, worked far better than any of the opiates I had ever used had. It's, always astonishing to me that the vast majority of cancer treatment centers in the United States are still somewhere way back in the 20th century and not offering cannabis products to people who are undergoing cancer treatment. Well, because we have a federal government who claims it's, you know, a bad thing. That marijuana will kill you. Yeah. When, you know, back uh, in the 30s, we decided... Yeah, back in the 30s, we decided that uh, we needed to control people and control cannabis. And by doing that, they made it illegal. And lots of people have suffered since because of it. However, you appear to be in a state where it's at least legal for your use as a cancer patient. It is. We've had the the medical program here, um, geez, I think like seven years now. Um, But we did beginning of January of this year, they also legalized uh, recreational, which created a huge shortage when we already had a shortage. So it hasn't been, hasn't been a good thing. For sales it has. Right. (laughs) For patients it's been terrible, but for for sales it's been great. For only medical use, the top of the list is, you know, cancer diagnosis. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, when I was getting my card, I had like, I don't know, like six or seven of the different qualifications to get a card. And I was trying to pull in all of this stuff from different doctors. And the doctor's like, no, 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 you, you have cancer. It's okay. That's yeah, all right. You have cancer. That's it. Trump card. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, oh. oh. <laughs> and, you know, I had a friend with me and she's like, well, what about when the cancer's gone? And they're like, no, no. Well, once the cancer patient always a cancer patient. Exactly. So it's not like 10 years down the road, they can't turn around and say, oh, no, your cancer is cured. You don't get a card no more. As no. Long, I will be on meds for the rest of my life. And so I am a patient for all of my life. Yes. Yes, exactly. Has cannabis changed your life since you started working with it? In many ways. Um I, I've learned to take things that, I've learned to take some things more seriously than what I had, and I've learned to take other things not as seriously as I should. Um, Meditating with cannabis opens up your mind and lets you see things that you don't normally see, and you can't help but have that change your life. And like I said, just from the the medical standpoint. I I know what I was like when I was on opioids for 13 years. And I don't have a whole lot of memories of that time because they had me so drugged it was ridiculous. And I can I can smoke cannabis every single day and still be a heck of a lot clearer in my life than what I was on opiates. So, I mean, I I I didn't used to be able to work. There's no way I could work. I was drugged out of my mind and in pain. Started <laughs> cannabis, guess what? I went back to work. I had up until, well, it's been a year now, My I worked at a bookstore that 
was closed down last year, but I was there for five years, and it was my most favorite job in the entire world. Loved it there. But it, it, it cannabis so basically gave me my life that back. Not only did cannabis not kill you, but it made you a more productive person. Yeah, it gave me my life back. It, it From the time I was 30 years old until I was in my, what, 40s, early 40s, I was medicated, highly, highly medicated. I'm talking, I was on a 100 milligram fentanyl patch right out the door, and that was just the fentanyl. I was on oxycodone. I was on Norco. I was on Penta. I was on, oh gosh, I can't even think of all of them now, Tramadol. I was on all these drugs Those now that bad they're just like... Drugs. Yes, gabapentin, all, and I was on all of them at the same time. I don't know why I'm not dead. I honestly don't know why I'm not dead because that should have killed me. And to know that I went through all of that and now I'm just like, I smoke weed and I'm happy and I'm not in pain and I'm alive. And those are all things that <laughs> were quite questionable when I was on the opiates. So I, have had, I, I, I have had quite a few people tell me that cannabis has been the only way they've been able to kick their opioid habit. Yeah, I wish I had known about it sooner. Because <laughs> I, I never once would have thought that I was addicted to opiates. And when I stopped them, I stopped them cold turkey. And I got really, really, really sick. And I thought I had the flu. And now I know, oh, no, that was detox. <laughs> and I'm like... I, I realized, you know, years later, I could have died just from stopping. But at the time, nobody was talking about that. The, the opioid crisis wasn't really starting until I had cancer. And then they're a little bit more like, well, I don't know if we want to give you this. And I'm like, you're not going to give me that because I don't want it. <laughs> you know? I just I did not want to, it is it's literally like going down the rabbit hole and I didn't want to do that so I started using cannabis and then I started enjoying it <laughs> and then I started realizing that you know we talk about medical and we talk about recreational but nobody talks about the spiritual there's a few books out there there's getting to be more and more but Cannabis has been used spiritually for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and I think it's time that we start realizing that. As you say, when you use cannabis and meditate, your mind is opened. It's literally expanded. People talk about it and they say you get high. But, in fact, what's very interesting is you don't get high. You get wide. Yes. It it is. It's amazing that it, it... I can remember things that I have totally forgotten, and it, it, it really is. It's like people say that it's um, mind-altering, and it is not mind-altering. It is mind-opening. We already know we only use a little tiny, tiny 10% of our brain, and when you use cannabis, it seems like you can access more of that, and I'm good with that. And your brain is good with that. And your body, it sounds yes. like your body is not experiencing as much pain. Yes. 
mean, we have a system in our body. We have an endocannabinoid system. And if we didn't have that system, then I would say, oh, maybe we're not supposed to use it. But you know what? When we have a system in our body that works specifically with cannabis, that tells me we're, we're supposed to. We are supposed yes, well, to we also have a system in our body that works specifically with opiates and opioids. What was the that? difference being that the uh, system that works with the opiates and opioids um, literally causes physical addiction, as you said. You know, the withdrawal can be yes, but very it's not that dis- that system is not designed to work with opioids. Does not cause any. Um, addi- it's not addictive and doesn't cause any withdrawal symptoms. Right. But it's like opioids work with a system, but our, that system was not designed for opioids. It was designed for other uses, and opioids just get in there and mess with it. The endocannabinoid system Do you talk, is, is you talk really, about this in your book? What's the name of the book that you – well, yeah, I, it, I know you're working on your ninth book. So, wake. It's Wake, Bake, and Meditate. Take your spiritual wake, practice bake, to Wake, and meditate. All hey. right. <laughs> <laughs> That is a great title, Carrie. <laughs> and if people want to find out more about that, they go to CarrieConnor.com? Yes, yes. You can go to my webpage. Um, I have a, a, a great... C-A-R-R-I, Carrie, C-O-N-N-O-R, Connor, CarrieConnor.com. Yes. And they will find things about Wake, Bake, and Meditate and your other books as well? Oh, yes, yes. I have uh, one of the young women from my group is uh, an awesome illustrator and web designer, and she recently redid my whole webpage for me, and it looks awesome. All right. Hooray. That is wonderful. Well, I would suspect that it's possible that you had some experiences with cannabis that weren't great. Oh, yes. Many people do, especially if their preferred form is smoking and suddenly somebody convinces them to eat it. Oh, yeah, that that can really – because it, it people don't realize that when you eat it, it, it takes a lot longer to hit to begin with, and then it hits a lot stronger. So people that – if if you don't wait long enough, you, you sit there and you eat too much. <laughs> and then it hits you and it's like, whoa. And because you ate so much, it it's like if you eat something at, at 7 o'clock and it hits at 8 o'clock, but you also ate something at 7.30, it's also going to hit at 8.30. So it's like you, it, if you've got to stop. <laughs> you just, you have to take it slow and low, especially when you're you're trying new things. Always wait and see what happens. I, um, I've i only had, really, I would say, one really, really bad experience, and I was very surprised because I went from a, a northern exposure, or I'm not sorry, northern lights, a northern lights vape to northern lights flower, and I just smoked a bowl of it like I normally would. And I woke up my husband and told my husband he had to stay awake with me because the paranoia was absolutely awful. And I had never gotten paranoia like that from it before. And for some reason, this time, it 
just massive, massive, massive paranoia. And that's, it, it gives you anxiety when you get paranoid. You can't be paranoid without anxiety. You have to have them both at the same time, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> so you're kind of freaking out a little bit. And I just, I made them stay awake with me and I just kind of sat in the bed and rocked for a few minutes. And it, it there's, you know, you can smell lemon oil or, or black pepper oil and those kind of help get you through it faster and bring you down faster but it wasn't comfortable and you know i've i've had times where i've i have hurled from smoking i know a lot of people say that it makes me sick it makes me sick well yeah it makes me sick sometimes too but that's how i found out that it it normally takes that for me to get to like a peak experience to a really good peak experience. I literally have to get sick first. And then so once is, I get sick, could you talk a little more about what is a peak experience? A peak experience is it's, it's different than being high when you're high. It's like, Ooh, yeah, this is cool. And let's talk about aliens. And wow, you know, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> when you have a peak experience, it's, it's when you feel more or less at one with the universe. It's more than just being high. It's you kind of forget where you end and where everything else begins because you feel that you are truly a part of it all. And that is when you can do things like spirit communication. That is when you can speak with your deities. That is when you talk to your higher self. That's all kinds of different cool things you can do when you're in what is known as a peak experience. I mean, being high is fun too, but <laughs> it's it's a deeper, it's like a much deeper time that you can meditate. Is a peak experience. My take on it is when I am one with everything, I do not have any higher self because I don't have any lower self. I am one with all parts of my being. Yeah, it's that's pretty much when how I am it feels. one with everything. Exactly. There is nobody that I need to apply to because it is all within me. So there are no guides or anything like that because I am one with everything. You know, I'm going to say it, it's, it's different for everybody depending on, you know, what their belief system is. I don't, I have no idea what a peak experience would be like for an atheist, but I would love to talk to one to find out. But, you know, I mean, cause it's, it's, they have to feel something. I'm sure they feel something. And it's, I, I would love to meet somebody that I could discuss that with who's had that experience. But it's it's I I am not sure that I would be called an atheist, which means that I would deny theism or um, God. But certainly God has no part in my life at all. I am a high priestess of the goddess. Yes, but it's it's that's a little different than theism, which is about God. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just... It's, so, I, you I know, think it's a, my experience of oneness has nothing to do with a deity. Mm-hmm. Why should it? I'm one with everything. No deity is needed. Exactly. So, I'm not sure how atheism is germane at all. You know, whatever... Um, beliefs or uh, structures you want in your life, that experience of oneness is encompassing. Yes, and but I'm going to say it, it. But not to my mind, um, 
in any way connected to atheism or, or um, any kind of deity. But interesting, very interesting. So if for you, in order to have that peak experience, there needs to be some physical or mental discomfort first. Not all the time. Sometimes it is, and it, it's a lot of it depends on what I'm smoking, how much THC is in it. Um, it there's no one direct path. I mean, I can't say this many hits is going to get me there every time. It just it's it's different every time, and also because my environment is often different each time. Absolutely, definitely, and um, just the atmosphere of the day. We might yes, because every every day you have different things that you bring to the table when you do sit down to try this. So it it just it all depends on if I'm having a much rougher day. Yeah, it's going to be a much rougher experience to get to a peak experience. But if I've had a layback, been playing with the grandkids all day, floating around in the hot tub, then it's much easier for me to get there. And in terms of pain relief, do you specifically choose a cannabis that has a, a ratio of CBD and THC, or do you find a variety of ratios works for you? Um, it depends what I'm looking for for pain. Um, I do try to get something more with CBD, but honestly, right now, the situation in Illinois, <laughs> it's, it's awful. There's is slim pickings. Um, I just finally harvested my first two plants that I have grown. So I'm not going to have to go into the dispensaries for a while, which is a good thing because our shortages here are terrible. You, you don't have much of a choice of what you get. You get there and hope they have something that you want. And that's pretty much how it is right now. It has been seriously. Oh, before before we even legalized, we were like that. It's been about a year now. We had a shortage starting. It would have been last summer, and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. So at least now with the medical card and the more beginning of the year. Want what, and the supply has not picked up to meet that demand? Is that what you're saying? They're, we were slow. See, they, they knew that expansion was coming and that they were going to release it for recreational. So all of these growers started adding onto their buildings and while they were adding onto their buildings it actually curtailed what they were growing because of construction so we got behind to begin with <laughs> then I recreational sales right. hit and then COVID hit. yeah and it's like it's been one disaster after another so it's it's very difficult to go in. I mean, there was in in January and February, you the the, the dispensaries were closing because there was nothing to sell. Yeah. So we ran out of weed. <laughs> we literally ran out of weed. <laughs> you you have written you're working on your ninth book. You've written eight books. But ninth. I'm working on my ninth right now. You're working on I your have, ninth. So you've written yes. eight books, and you're working on your ninth book. Wake, yes. bake, and um, meditate. meditate is the eighth is, book. Are that's all number of your seven. other books about cannabis? No, I, I have a lot of different spell books. Um, the next one that I have coming out is another cannabis book. That is 420 
meditations, and that will release in April of next year in time for 420. And then I'm actually working on a CBD book right now, too. All right. So your previous books have been more in line with being a pagan and the um, gathering grove that you are the leader of. And then starting with your eighth book, you have started focusing on cannabis, and your ninth and tenth books are going to be about cannabis as well. Yes. This is Susan Weed speaking with Carrie Connor. That's K-E-R-R-I-C-O-N-N-O-R, Carrie Connor. Find her at CarrieConnor.com. You... We At the very beginning, we talked about how you were brought up to believe that cannabis would kill you and that <laughs> still there are people around you who, if they don't hold that exact belief, hold beliefs that cannabis is somehow um, evil or um, not something that, that you should mess around with. Do you find that the people around you are now at ease with cannabis now that you're using it and talking about it, or do you still have no. people who are upset with you? No, I I literally told my sister-in-law of 40 years the other day that she can blow it out her ear because I'm tired of her judging me. She literally, literally gave me crap about using cannabis for cancer. And I'm like, you know what? You've never had cancer or smoked cannabis. You don't get to judge me on either. And that's literally just what I've gotten to at this point. I am 50 years old and... If my family doesn't like the fact that I smoke weed, too bad. I don't really care what they think anymore. <laughs> I guess they're not reading your book, but if somebody does read no. your book, what are you hoping they take away from your book? That it's really their choice. I mean, that is a big part of it is it is their choice and that we have been lied to in this country for so long about, I shouldn't even say for so long, it's just that it's been 90 years, 90 years they've been lying to us about what cannabis does and what it can do. And it's, it's time for us to say, you know, I'm tired of the government lying to me about everything. Could we be nice about one thing that we could get the truth on? <laughs> and that it's not going to kill you. It can help you. There are so many different ways it can help you. I do not call cannabis a, a miracle drug. I know people are out there, oh, it can, it can save you from everything. No, it's not going to save you from everything. It's not a miracle, but it is magical. It can help you in so many different ways. And the only way to find out how it helps you is to try it and find out. And lo and behold, since it's not addictive, if you try it and you don't like it, you can just walk away from it. As a matter of fact, if you've exactly. been smoking it or using it for years and years and years and your supply is interrupted or you go somewhere, there are no withdrawal effects. It's simply not addictive. Exactly. So I I hear you. The The way to find out if cannabis could be an ally is to give it a try. Um, I don't know if you experience this, but I have sometimes noticed that Sometimes, especially when smoking it, when people give it a first try, they don't feel anything at all. Oh, yes. A lot of people the first time. And I think part of it, too, is because I think they're anxious and they don't know what to expect. And cannabis works 
as well as you let it. If if I, I could smoke all day long and never once feel high if I'm busy and keeping my mind busy. When I want to feel high from cannabis, I hop in the hot tub and I smoke a bowl and I float. That gives me a completely different reaction to it than if I'm, you know, doing other things. It It all depends on what your mind wants out of it and what you allow yourself to have from it. Well said. Very, very well said. And um, what haven't I asked you that you want to talk about, Carrie? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, 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 I, I really, I, I don't know. There's a question know. here that you gave me about working with a partner, but I don't quite know where it fits in because we haven't talked about partners or partnering up with anybody oh, okay. at all. That's all right. So, you know, we're talking about if, if you're afraid to use it, don't do it by yourself. Have ah, somebody there. Just right. have somebody with you. Um, the first few times I, you know, I, I, I would have my best friend on the phone with me because he knew more about it than I did. And he would, he wasn't here, but he was able to walk me through and to talk me through things and to explain what to do. And first it, it you really breathe helped. in, then you hold your breath, then you breathe out. You mean like that? <laughs> no, just even eat some of that. We, we used to, in high school, we used to call it having a coach <laughs> because, you know, it depends on what you're smoking. If you're smoking from a bowl, if you're smoking from a bong, if you're smoking from a joint, all of that is done a little bit differently. True enough. And and I'm I had a calling the apprentice who called me and said, "Oh, Susan, I took some datura and things are getting very weird." I said, "Okay, the first thing to do is put your feet on the ground." And she said, "What are feet? What is the ground?" And I said, "You're going to hang up and you're going to call nine one one immediately." <laughs> yeah, you don't know feet. <laughs> you don't know what your feet are. You don't know where the ground is. You're calling nine one one. Thank you very much. It actually took her about two years to come back. Datura wow. is a very serious plant. Yeah, not going to happen to you with cannabis. Nope, the worst thing that's nope. going to happen to you with cannabis is your heart is going to beat really, really hard, and you're going to go to the emergency room, and they're going to make fun of you. Yeah, yeah. That, seriously, yeah. that's about it. Especially yeah. after you leave, they're going to be like, yep, there was another one. Another one, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then Clearly, you're going to sleep really good. It's a delight talking with you tonight, and we've come to the last few minutes of our time together. And so I'd like to ask you what you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's been listening to you tonight. You know, really what I want to leave the most in everybody is just be true to yourself because we all spend our lives trying to please others. And as long as you're trying to please others, you're not learning who you are. Cannabis has really helped me to learn who I am. Carrie, K-E-R-R-I, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R.com. Learn more about what she's doing, what she's doing with her family-friendly earth-based spiritual group, and what she's doing with cannabis. Go and visit CarrieConnor.com. Thank you so much. I talk about reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients and the threads that you are adding to this cloak are 
very beautiful and very sweetly scented as well. I appreciate you, Carrie. Thank you and so much. And Rebecca, hooray, you're in your new house. Oh, my gosh. A new threshold, a new hearth fire. Very <laughs> exciting time. Here it is, Lamas, the loaf mass, the feast of the first harvest. The time when we go through the fields, reaping the grain and weave corn dollies to the corn mother to remind ourselves. That grain is the basis of human existence and culture, especially right now, and to be thankful for that. So this is a holiday of being thankful for that harvest, for the harvest of the, the grains, and of course for the harvest of the fruits, which we are going to ferment to get us through the dark months. Thank you for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place, people's medicine, Rebecca. And thank you, Justine. I can actually hear Justine behind me. She's out in the barn milking the goats for me while I'm here with the green goddesses. I appreciate you, Justine. Green blessings, everybody. Good night. Thank you, Susan. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.